are listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps dude, a course creator, and an open source maintainer in the world of container and cloud native DevOps. These episodes are edited down audio-only versions of my YouTube live show that you can join every Thursday at brett.live. This podcast is made possible by my Patreon members. I'd like to thank all of you patrons for your continued support. It means a lot. Your podcast player should have the show notes for this episode, including links to the original show on YouTube, topics or tools we might discuss, how to support this show with Patreon, and links to get discount coupons on all my courses. You can always get those notes and links at brettfisher.com. Chances are you've heard of one or more of the Argo projects. They've released Argo workflows, Argo CD, Argo events, and Argo rollouts. Argo is one of those Kubernetes projects that is so common for teams to choose that it's nearly an assumption that every team is using one of their tools in a cluster or two. Hong Wang and Jesse Soon helped co-create the Argo project years back at Intuit and have now co-founded a growing startup called Acuity. The company is focusing on making the Argo products better and creating software as a service offerings for the Argo tools. I truly enjoyed this episode because it was helpful to get a perspective on where the Argo tools came from and what the team behind it is doing. Please enjoy this chat with Hong and Jesse of Acuity. Well, hello, and welcome to the show. I'm very excited to talk about these topics today because there's something that I basically install everywhere there's Kubernetes. It's the standard thing for me. So let's welcome to the show. We got Hong Wang and Jesse Soon. Hi, Brett. Thanks, Thanks for, for having here. us. Yeah, glad for you to be here. Okay, so if you don't know who these two gentlemen are, they are the co-creators of the Argo project. And now they're the co-founders of Acuity, a new startup. And let's talk about that real quick. Well, let's get the business stuff out of the way. But this is actually really good news. It's near and dear to my heart because I work with a lot of startups. So you basically are now full-time Argo, starting a company around it, right? Like the, the different Argo projects. And you were just telling me that you announced your funding. So let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. So very happy to announce, like we actually announced last Monday, are we talking about we got another 20 million for the Series A? And we got the money from the Lead Edge and Decibel Perlers. Basically, this is just six months after we got the seed round. I think this is a good validation about our strategy means uh, Argo is so popular, people need help, and we want to put in more resources into this open source product. That's basically our investors are believing the mission and believing our uh, execution plan. That's how we can get in uh, such a good financial situation to be able to make the product even better down the road. It's uh, very exciting to be able to close it so quickly and, and actually in such a short period. Yeah, that's exciting. And I'm sure you've had a lot of sleepless nights lately. <laughs> it's always great to hear the, because these announcements that come out, they're always like after all the work. So it's sort of the... Uh, oh, you understand it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course, you have now committed to a whole bunch of work ahead of you. So good luck with that. So for those out there, let's talk about the relationship real quick of Argo, which maybe a lot of people have heard on the live stream, and Acuity... Mm -hmm. What's the relationship there? How do they go together? So Argo is a CNCF project, right? So it's it's not as if we like own the project. It's it's collaboration with other companies like Intuit and Red Hat, and yeah. So this is something we've been working on for like six years. You know, it's 
started with a previous startup that Hong and I worked at, and then but Intuit was really kind of just the the you know, sponsor of the project throughout the years. What we realized is that people just needed help, and there wasn't really a vendor that they could kind of turn to to running the various projects, getting support. You know, we would see very frequently on on Slack, how is there any commercial support for this? And so we saw that gap and decided, yeah, there's enough traction behind this. Let's go start a company dedicated to this project to fulfill that need. So that's where we are today. And we have a lot of maintainers on the project. We're dedicated to continuing support around it, as well as building the ecosystem around our project. Yeah. Well, it's going to become obvious throughout this show, but I'm a pretty big fan. So <laughs> I can't claim to be a maintainer, but certainly using it and helping other people use it is part of my jam because I think that we talk a lot about on this show about GitOps and declarative infrastructure and making sure that people understand the fundamentals of that so that they make good, not just decisions about tooling, but good decisions around their workflows and their processes and their mindset, mm -hmm. which has kind of got to come first, right? I always joke about how you can use all these tools the wrong way and then it's nothing like declarative infrastructure. So can one of you just sort of talk about the origin story a little bit? Because I don't think I know that very well. Like how Argo came about, what was it trying to solve at the time? I can give it a try. Jesse, feel free to add additional colors there. So we started at a company called Athletics. That was a startup. And we are trying to, I would say, to challenge the status quo of the CICD space. Basically, at that time, there are three things that are very popular are getting a momentum. One is Docker container. Second is public cloud. Third is actually microservices. That's why we're thinking, hey, how about we providing a next generation CI CD system to make it more like future proof? And we actually did a full CI CD system at Appalachia. And I mean, there are a lot of the components in that. It's a little bit giant system, can do everything, but it's also a uh, little bit complicated, I would say. During the end of that, I think the, to be honest, like at that time we banned on the Kubernetes, but the Kubernetes, like about six years ago, I would say still, I would say it's close to mature, but not really mature yet. That's why we have a lot of labor struggle. Managing the service is not there. That means that to able to be able to run our CI/CD system, we even need to install the Kubernetes cluster for our customers. That's a lot of the burden to bury. Right, right. Oh, so you understand right. that. Basically, at that time, you like if you people uh, pay attention to this orchestration like landscape, Docker Swarm was there, like Mesosphere was there, and Kubernetes. They are kind of fighting there. Yeah. So we picked the Kubernetes at that time. So in the end, we actually the original product was like proprietary. Basically, it's one big giant thing. And later, we actually open source the version, and later we actually streamed down to be just Argo workflows. That basically is our origin. Mm. Original Argo is just a recording to Argo workflows. Think about it, the workflow is a workflow engine. You can use that for a CI, using for a data pipeline, but in the end, we just like open source that core engine. And soon after that, before we even be able to building something on top of that engine, Intuit acquired us. So we basically <laughs> the whole team joined Intuit and then then the story continues there is uh, Intuit, they had this vision. They believe on the container, they believe on the Kubernetes. They asked us to say, hey, has the whole team help us do this cloud migration from the private data center to Kubernetes on AWS. During that process, 
we figure out more about what is the into the uh, deployment pattern. Means they have many cluster, many segments, many compliance requirement. Then we are figuring out what is the gap. Then we say, okay, we need some new deployment tool to be able to do deploy multiple cluster, multiple environment. That's how we created Argo CD. And Argo CD basically was created to address exactly the problem we had at Intuit. And later the story repeated for the Argo rollout, Argo events. So that's, we are so grateful that Intuit is supporting us to do this open source initiative. Basically, they put a lot of resource to make the product better. Well, we are using that internally at Intuit, but we can sharing it with all, all the community. And I'm so grateful that the community actually did an amazing job to give us the feedback, create issues. Intuit, to be honest, we benefit at that time a lot is make the product much more stable. Right. So that's why I think one, one thing people really like about ROCD is you can feel that the feature reach, richness, basically. It has single right. sign-on, it has all the configuration, has multi-tendency. It's almost have everything you need out of the box. It's all because like we have this self-niche like mindset at Intuit. We do it. We just want to make it work. We just want to make it better. Right. 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 Well, that's very common too, right? If you make an internal tool, it usually just solves that one problem, right? It's mm -hmm. not usually a universal toolkit like that. And so yeah. it's great that you found that community. And I'm a big user of Intuit. You know, running my own mm -hmm. little company, I'm a big, oh. I'm a big user of all their products. So it's actually, it's like, it's always cool to use a day-to-day -day product and then know, yeah, this thing I'm using is on Kubernetes. Then you can also blame it for every possible problem it has. But you, <laughs> the point is, is like, it's you know, you never know. Like they, you always hear like, oh, you know, IBM uses, or you know, you hear random companies are using Kubernetes, using Docker, and you know that they're all kind of using it. But it's always great when you hear that validation of these big companies, traditionally companies that we don't think of as tech companies, even though they really yeah. all are and we we realize oh well they're actually the ones that made this really cool this idea exactly. around i mean i think when my first time using it i was new to GitOps. i was mm -hmm. very interested in the different options it came out of the box with a, a web gui which at the time it was i mean it's way more feature rich now but even at the time i felt like well this is actually pretty cool and didn't really think that it was something i would want to I didn't realize I needed something like that mm -hmm. as a web interface to give to my developers because I was mm -hmm. so used to giving them all Git, like, here's a Git repo, do your things in that, and then the magic happens, right? Oh, and, yeah. And even just having that status or the availability, like giving the green and reds was a yeah. simple, even a simple thing that I think really stuck with me early on because I realized I can now give more insight into not just that, okay, their PR was merged of the YAML, but their workloads are actually running in production and they're not having to yeah. look at necessarily all the Kubernetes things. They're just able to look at their workloads. And, and there's just so much of this project that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah. So let's back up a second. So we've talked about Argo workflows, which I didn't realize that was the first product. I'm going to have to use that as like a trivia question. And then I'm going to guess that maybe I'm going to wonder about this origin story here. Did CD happen because people were trying to use workflows to do the CD? <laughs> And you realize it deserved its own product or how did the CD itself yeah. spin off it, its own so, thing? So when we were um, acquired by Intuit, the, the team was tasked with two missions, like one to build, you know, a Kubernetes distribution that we would just run our services on, but then also to provide that delivery tool that, you know, 4,000 developers would be using to 
ship to Kubernetes. That's actually why we are so GUI focused because we needed it to be the user developer friendly, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, we did evaluate, we tried to find out what was in the ecosystem before we set out to build CD. And because, you know, Kubernetes is so configuration um, heavy, it GitOps is a thing because of that. I think prior to Kubernetes, it wasn't so as, as much necessary. But because it's just YAML after YAML, it's natural to just want to store that in Git. So we knew we wanted to do GitOps. We knew we had were going to manage many clusters given the size of Intuit. So and nothing, no tool existed that could meet our kind of enterprise needs, like single sign-on, the yeah. user experience, and and so we decided to build CD. And one lesson uh, actually we learned from Applatix was that our original attempt to build this kind of huge platform was to abstract away Kubernetes and provide our own, you know, here's an application and like, you don't need to worry about the Kubernetes YAML, but here's our YAML and it's a little simpler. Yeah. That didn't yeah. actually, it wasn't well received because I think you, when you do that, you tend to hide away the, the power of Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. So as features come in, you know, then you have to create some leaky abstraction that unlocks those underlying features. The other problem is, you know, we had to support our developers right and either they're going to come to us and say like what is what's your dsl look like can you explain all this or we can point them to open source documentation and say here this is well-known documented stuff and this is how you can you know set up hpa and right. so that was kind of an intentional decision to almost teach kubernetes to our developers rather than kind of hide it away from them and that's why the resource tree is the way it is because okay now you can see the relationships between deployments to replica sets of pods. And, you know, when you upgrade, it's actually creating a new replica set with new set of pods. And that kind of helps solidify the people's understanding of what's going on as you change your YAML around. Yeah, that's a really good point that reading YAML documentation or API documentation for YAML isn't exactly a good discovery, like a feature discovery yeah. workflow, right? We're all, we all, you know, we have these other senses in our bodies <laughs> other than just this looking at text on a screen. And so it's wonderful to sort of discover stuff. Cause I have exactly that scenario where I discovered things in built into Argo through seeing checkboxes on screen that I didn't know what they meant. Right. Yeah. Like this is a thing that I could have put true in YAML, but I didn't read through every layer of the documentation. So I didn't know that, but I'm seeing this button here that the specific case I'm thinking of is like the one that re basically deletes and re reapplies everything. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that was a feature in Argo and it was this checkbox just staring me in the face. And it's a subtle thing. You know, we yeah. all want to pretend we're all hackers and at the command line all day long every day. But sometimes just seeing it in a different light is actually pretty cool. And so I agree with that, definitely. I, I have a little bit of insight on that. Uh, I want to add to that is uh, based on our understanding, if you guys using Kubernetes, like sometimes people interested in the using the whole Kubernetes cluster, just deploy one application. We saw that pattern. Yeah. Oh, maybe people are doing this multi-tendency means they are deploying multiple applications in the multiple namespace. We also see the people actually putting every single microservices into the same namespace. It's mm. like all different patterns all right. we saw, which we found that very interesting to my perspective is uh, in a Kubernetes context, there are only two layers, whether it's a cluster or it's a namespace. Mm. 
but we don't think it's the good, like a good level of the breakdown about how you share the context with each other. So that's why Argo CD introduced this application level, which is uh, you can put multiple application in the same namespace, different namespace up to you. Right. So in the end, every day, your DevOps, your developer, your SRE, they are working around this application context. It's not namespace, not a cluster. Right. It's actually most relevant thing. Basically, it's basically getting all the monitor, logging, everything organizing that way. Something happened. You go to the Argo CD. You look at the Argo CD dashboard to see the healthy status. And you also look at the Kubernetes event and the additional information on which part is crashing and what is Kubernetes events telling you. You can easily starting from the Argo CD dashboard to figure out what you need to do. Yeah. That greatly reduced the MTDD and MTTR added into it. That's why we found it's extremely useful to have that level of the context to be shared, organized by the application. Very good. That reminds me of the fact that Argo, when I first used it, I think it was one of the first tools that was sort of natively multi-cluster. And yeah. which nowadays it's weird when a tool isn't. Uh, yeah. And the, you know, everyone starts with their first cluster, but they don't, you know, it takes a while, I think, especially for teams that are new to Kubernetes to sort of figure out their model for how many clusters are we going to have? Yeah. Where mm -hmm. are those clusters? And it's nice to see tools that can kind of grow with them without redesigning that, that architecture exactly. as well. I've been able to use it just in the last year, actually, Argo with a single sign-on, and I didn't get to configure it, but I certainly used it and was pleasantly surprised that it worked right fine out of the box, never had an issue. That's So for those that are maybe new to this stuff. So we're talking about Argo CD and that's mostly mm -hmm. focused on deployments, right? And when we talk about GitOps, I know we're not, we didn't define GitOps, but just go Google it real quick instead of us talking about what GitOps is, but it's a part of the trend of infrastructure's code design and it's maybe a very specific one, but it's something that, at least in my opinion, if you're deploying Kubernetes, you're probably gonna use Argo or it's one of your contenders. And for me and my customers, clients, whatever, like they all have Argo, like every cluster they have either has Argo in it or Argo is, is controlling it or, or deploying to it. I'm not as familiar with the other products. So can we talk real quick of an overview? We mentioned workflows, so that was right. the first one. What else we got there? So then probably the next one to talk about would be rollouts. If it, do we have the fourth one, Argo events? I tightly couple events with workflows. So really quick. Argo events is a eventing framework. Its use case was to trigger workflows based on events. So mm. maybe you upload uh, something to S3 and then as soon as that gets uploaded, you want to process it with the workflow. And that was the main use case where you can do like webhook or, or, or git commit and then that will trigger another workflow. So that, that people who use events are almost always kind of used coupling it with workflows. I, I tend to group them together. Rollouts is interesting because by the way, all of these projects, you can use standalone. So it was intentional that users could pick what they really needed. So if, if a lot, we have some people, a lot of people who actually use rollouts, but then they have their own kind of delivery mechanism and rollouts is a uh, progressive delivery operator. Think canary deployments, blue green deployments, but what it, also does is it does what they call progressive delivery, which you can think of as an evolution of just continuous delivery. Progressive delivery is the ability to automate the promotion or rollback or abort the roll update based on metrics. So as you're updating your rollout, 
we can query your metric provider like Datadog or Prometheus and analyze and making sure it meets certain KPIs. And if it starts failing those KPIs, uh, a rollout can automatically abort and go back to what we marked as the stable version. And this was born out of just like a necessity because Kubernetes, as you may or may not know, they don't have a blue-green mechanism or a canarying mechanism. Everything is just rolling update and try to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, but there's no kind of guardrails to automatically stop it somewhere in between. I mean, you have you, have, you do have pod readiness gates, but that is kind of like a very poor man's um, right. progressive delivery, I guess you can say. Right. That's a good point. And that's definitely not, I mean, a lot of these things aren't looking at additional metrics and having a single readiness check or whatever can be for especially once your team gets on board with a lot of this stuff you know i i'm always with companies working when they're at the beginning of all this stuff and they're thinking what we need a health check you know so they create the first one and then it's like eventually they it seems like they mature they start building in metrics endpoints to everything and that's where it suddenly they realize, okay, well, which one of these metric endpoints should be our health check validator? Mm -hmm. And and I love that there's you know there's more intelligence built into the rollouts for that. That it you can once you get advanced as a human team, your technology can follow you instead of it just being limited to the built-in Kubernetes stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So regarding the rollouts, I think uh, it's a different granularity regarding the like normal health check which provided natively by Kubernetes. Because that is normally we are talking about a readiness uh, probe or, or liveness probe, n normally. So in this case, we actually, as Jesse has mentioned, it's a matrix provider. But one additional story on top of that is actually, if you know, all the big organizations are paying great money for the observability tools. We are talking about Splunk, Data. Right. We are talking about millions of dollars. But most of the time, we always have this instant, always happen around when you just release a new version. I think more than half of the cases, oh, you release some, something is broken. But the people, people, what happens next is that you are going to look at a Splunk, you are looking at the date doc to figure out what's going on. But until then, you figure out something happened, then you roll back, oh, right. maybe that happened. So what the rollouts really plays a role is it's uh, create that feedback loop directly. Means something happened, you have this golden metrics in place. Something happened, the rollouts will not even go to 100% traffic. It will actually roll back to the previous version. So you got more time to troubleshoot. You still know something went wrong, but the exposure is minimized. Means right. that just like 20, 30% of traffic, you got that golden signal and you roll back automatically. That as I, I keep seeing this MTTR and MTTD because I was the Argo team manager. So we are talking about what is we are really solving? What is really our ROI there? Right. So we are trying to using rollouts to, to basically increase the operational excellence to the next level. Right. Yeah. And giving confidence to those developers that m merged the PR and then are now deploying it. They know that worst, worst case day. is that it maybe just affected a, f a little bit of, of everyone instead of everyone. And there's always this yeah. lag between you deployed and you're waiting for information on did this actually work? And it's like you're saying, it comes from all these different places, right? Obviously we have metrics and logging systems. You've got customers, mm -hmm. you know, you're you, sometimes with some of these bigger rollouts, you have like your customer, the whole help desk or whatever you want to call it nowadays for internal or external customers. You're on the phone with them. You're waiting for calls. You're, you've got people. It, it's one of those things where no matter how much stuff we put in the system, there's always that human element of updates and rollouts, at least mm -hmm. with companies that aren't, Netflix and GitHub, <laughs> you know, that aren't the bleeding tip of the spear as for bleeding edge teams. 
Yeah. And so having this ability to just say, hey, let's just try 10% for now or whatever, you know, and that that I feel like almost adds a little bit of courage to the teams to say, well, look, we did all of automated testing. We're fine with shipping this on Friday with that rollback. So the projects can use independently. These are all Kubernetes focused, right? We're strictly Kubernetes as yes. the control plane. Okay. Right. And then then come along Acuity. So how does the company itself affect these? Obviously, you talked about continuing the open source work, making them better inside the CNCF and all that. But is there's sounds like there's something else coming here. So a lot of feedback that you know we've seen is that people they don't want to run it themselves. So the thing that we're starting with is fully managed Argo CD. Basically, we will run Argo CD for you, and this is. We haven't really talked too much about this, but we actually, based on our learnings at Intuit and actually operating Argo CD for, at, at scale for close to 500 clusters at one point, we see firsthand, like some of the, the scaling considerations and we've, you know, given talks on like how to fine tune Argo to kind of, as you grow your clusters, cause you can hit limitations. Our cloud solution, we tweaked it a, a bit to have this new architecture. And, and this is something new that we were We'll describe it in more detail down the road, but we've taken a hybrid approach where you can install part of the Argo components on your managed clusters. Because normally Argo CD is you have a full control plane and it talks to the Kubernetes API server and you have to expose that Kubernetes API server in order for Argo CD to manage it. So that has some you know security implications. If you want to run private clusters in Argo CD, is maybe a hard sell because that means your managed cluster has to be open, you know, to expose your API right. server needs to expose. Right. So what we've actually done with our cloud is that you, we can run the control plane piece, the, the server piece, but then the controller piece actually can run on the managed cluster and that thing. So now you can have a fully private cluster. And then when Argo CD actually needs to talk to or do things like look at logs and stuff, it will do th through an agent that we install in the managed cluster in order to fulfill those like things like getting logs and looking at live objects and, and stuff. So this has a couple of benefits. Like it'll be a lot more scalable because I mean, we distributed out the work, the controller to all the clusters. There's some security benefits as well, where you, you know you can run private clusters now, and we fully manage the whole lifecycle. So you know you can click a button and it will deploy a new instance in minutes, and you can be up and running with a nice UI to just manage your instances. Very nice. Um, yeah, and that's part of the challenge too for a lot of this. Is I I, I regularly have conversations with infrastructure teams or even people that aren't really a dedicated infrastructure team that are running infrastructure. And I'm always trying to push them to software as a service as much as possible, just because we, a lot of us, especially infrastructure nerds that just love all these tools and managing all the systems and having the control that we get lost in the idea that we're too busy managing the infrastructure to service the business teams. And so mm -hmm. we're, you know, I look at the developers, if I'm more of an a ops focused team, I'm looking at the developer teams, if that's how you've designed your teams, I'm looking at them as a customer. I'm looking at the business units, the project managers, all those as customers. And if I'm too busy managing deployment solutions or CI solutions or logging and monitoring solutions, you know, so I always go sort of like, my top-down approach is usually say, okay, first, you shouldn't be running your own image registry. That's been <laughs> done. There's a thousand companies that do it. You yeah. can buy a product, but don't do it yourself. Like it's not, don't no. make a homebrew solution. Like you've got, none of us have free time. Nobody's got a day off that they can just fill with all this new infrastructure tooling. So I'm always trying to recommend to people, 
Look, you'll be much more agile. You're already adopting all these new things. So you're going to be much, much more ready for what the developers throw at you if you outsource this stuff to SaaS. So yeah, yeah. I tend to be a big fan of whatever our favorite tool of the day is, like Argo CD. Now it's a SaaS. Okay, let's just do that. Like, why run it yourself? Usually the team, it's, you know, it's a much more expensive to hire an additional DevOps engineer to manage all that infrastructure than it is to just outsource the SaaS. So I'm excited to see this. And it sounds like there's a beta people can sign up on a yeah. website. There's a, it's in closed beta currently. So we're, you know, it's pretty early and we're trying to get feedback from our um, users that are using it that before we open it up. But yeah, it, it, right now you can join our waitlist. And if you're interested in joining, like we should be able to open to close beta waitlist very soon. Yeah, cool. I definitely know how that goes. Um, just it's a wait and see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's exciting because uh, some teams maybe are new now, like they're just getting into their Kubernetes clusters or they have Kubernetes, but they're not yet adopting a GitOps style deployment, which is in my opinion, the only way to roll nowadays. We actually have some questions. I'm gonna throw you all really quick. A few related. A great question on how do I get started with Argo and GitOps? Any docs to follow them? So they just go to the. So they just Google it. <laughs> yeah, there's. I would say the getting started guide on Argo CD is a good place. We already have a pre-provisioned example apps repository that is filled with different examples. If you if you like Helm, there's an example Helm chart. Otherwise, if you just customize, there's a customized example. And so. It's just the standard kind of Kubernetes guestbook app that everyone may have seen. And then there's step-by-step -step things to just add that repo to Argo CD and then deploy. You can deploy in the same cluster that Argo CD is running in. And it's, it, it kind of just walks you through that getting yeah, started. Uh, from the QD website, if you go to the resource, we actually recently has Argo CD 101 learn the hmm. basics of Argo CD and GitOps. So if you're using the GitHub action together with Argo CD, to give you a very end-to-end -end, uh, practical workshop. So you can just follow that video. I think you will see the power. I mean, it's a little bit uh, basic, but you will have a full CI CD with ROCD, like in, I would say in 30 to 40 minutes, you will, you will see the power of it. Yeah. I, I always, I've always felt like Argo CD was, especially your first learning experience, it's pretty easy to get going. And when you get to that point where you're like, I want Argo to be deployed declaratively, you know, I'm in the middle of a project now where we're doing sealed secrets plus Argo mm -hmm. on Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. And the team is brand new to all those tools, actually. They're a team brand new to Kubernetes within the last year. And it, there's not a there's not a lot of stumbling blocks. It, it, you know, at first, they're maybe trying to figure out how do we get a secret when we don't have a secret. And then we sort of dive into the sealed secret stuff or, and they're, and they're using GitHub actions in their case, but it kind of just plugs and plug and play if that's still a term we use 30 years later. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I just, I'm a fan. I, I, I would say in a way, like why we want to start acuity and also in that sense, we still feel the Kubernetes still complicated. Recently, I see someone post on LinkedIn for a very interesting diagram. Basically, hey, you decided to use Kubernetes. What's the next thing? Are you using GitOps? No. Oh, yes. Yes. Then Argo CD. Then yes. What's the secret management tool? Yes. Then what is, are you using Ralph? Yes. Then what is the service mesh solution? Basically, <laughs> right. it's, it's amazing still. Yeah. That's from Acuity. We are trying to make those uh, decisions or experience to be much easier. So we are going to expanding our feature set. Basically, it not means we can be solving all the problems. That's too too aggressive. But it's right. more about for for maybe for seventy to eighty percent of the people for their relatively easy path, we can providing a paved road 
that you don't need to making these hard decisions and you can rely on us to getting that end-to-end experience. That kind of like one big vision we are trying to get to. Nice. That I, I didn't actually look at the release cycle recently. And is this something where you all expect to release more often or is it just sort of like big feature work? Because it's one of those things where I look at Argo CD today and I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't, what's next? I, do, are we done? <laughs> <laughs> is it, it solved the problems? Oh, that's a good question. So, so Argo CD is in the three month release cycle. So mm. it basically every three months we just ship or if it doesn't, if things don't make it, then they don't make it. But it's, it's a good question because if you look at some of our recent talks, the next thing we want to do on Argo CD is actually provide more extension points to it. So, and what, by, what I mean by that is that Argo CD, you can see just native Kubernetes stuff, like just fine. But one of the use cases we had, like, and if we run basically rollouts is kind of the, the standard kind of thing to replace the deployments because it's a superset of the deployment capabilities. But there's a lot more information about a rollout. And the first thing when I talk about extensions, this is something that is different. Unless you install the extension, you wouldn't see, have this view. And this is kind of showing you specifics about a rollout. So a rollout has a strategy and has, if it's a canary strategy, it has, you know, a, a list of steps that you want to execute through. This is a, um, a UI component that is, is deployed at runtime, meaning it's not, you know, compiled or baked into the, the product. It's actually, you configure it after you installed Argo CD. And this is just the kind of our flagship extension that we built, but we want to do more, right? There's all kinds of other Kubernetes resources that deserve some visualization other than just look staring at YAML. So that's a direction that we really are excited about. We're trying to encourage the community to help build these extensions. And, and you know, they're really just React components that get loaded at runtime. And we have some like example thing for people to get started to, to build their own extensions. This is one, I think, I guess a starting point. But I think in the future, I would love to see more extensions down on the left pane, like sidebar extensions, right? Mm. Or things like where, okay, I, I'm at this view. How can I want to maybe go to my Splunk logs for this whole application? So things like deep linking into, you know, uh, a custom URL that the admin configures for specific to their environment. That's you know, another way we can extend Argo CD to fit yeah. in, uh, more with the infrastructure or the environment. Yeah, because it's hard to get a single pane of glass that gives everyone all the tools all in one place. And so at some point, it's always like, hmm, this is yellow or red. I don't understand mm -hmm. why. So it's, you know, if it's not just image pull back off, if it's something else, <laughs> right. then I usually have to do a little bit more investigation to figure out what I did wrong. And, you know, assuming everyone out there is linting, <laughs> and doing all the things to make sure that you don't deploy bad YAML. So we've got some questions that are a little more basic, so I would love to get those in here. As far as I've heard, GitOps is already considered a DevOps best practice, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe it is the case. Uh, as I answered also in the chat, it's, uh, it's actually, if you are using Kubernetes, I think that is a no-brainer, the best de facto choice. I think it's all rooted back to this uh, declarative approach about the Kubernetes. So. We actually, in a way, my personally, I, I'm more believing that API layer means that declarative approach as the most valuable thing the Kubernetes bring in to the community. But regarding what underlying like other things actually, that can still evolve on its own. But this is to me is the revolutionary 
like the innovation part yeah. is the UK using YAML. You like or hate it, but it's still YAML that can describe the fully about your infrastructure. So we are talking about ingress application, how many rapid cards, what CPU memory, or even what kind of instance uh, you want to run. That kind of like making the whole, I would say the, the declarative basically you can think about it, you writing the code, you getting the input output declarative, right? Basically, then you can write in the code, which is a YAML checking into the repository, you getting what you want to describe the infrastructure behavior. So that is the most, uh, I would say, the innovative part. That's why making the GitOps is a no-brainer choice, especially when you're using Kubernetes at this stage. Yeah, and I, I honestly think I've done it other ways like before we had these wonderful GitOps tools early days of all these orchestrators and whatnot you know it was always like okay great we created the yaml to describe our application to go on the servers but how do we get that yaml to the server and know that it worked when i did it and it's mm -hmm. not a human typing in special commands and so people that throw shade on yaml i think forget mm -hmm. that if we were doing this same level of automation and intelligence mm -hmm. before we were probably mm -hmm. you were probably talking about thousands of lines of mm -hmm. chef or puppet or yeah, some other yeah. infrastructure tooling that usually right. one or two people knew. And it usually yeah. wasn't the developers. It was usually some other team. And so it was this black box of, okay, now we have a developer that's got a PR ready. They're merging it. We're ready to deploy. We need this other team to do their black magic to just get mm -hmm. it out there in the systems. And I think it's easy for us to forget where we came from, but trust yeah. me, people, <laughs> YAML <laughs> is the best we've got yet. I mean, it's not the... It's not, you know, 200 years from now, we're probably not still going to be using YAML, but until the next thing, I still feel like this GitOps approach, like you're, like you're saying, when I do anything else outside of Kubernetes and I'm not using a GitOps approach with that tool because GitOps kind of, I feel like started with Kubernetes because we had that, mm -hmm. like you're saying, a declarative mm -hmm. API. It just kind of sucks. It feels like I'm stepping back in technology evolution when I'm doing that. You know, I used to be a big swarm fan i still sell swarm training but that was one of the things where it lacked it never you know one of the things when it was getting less popular in the ecosystem there wasn't the passion around making it GitOps friendly and it also kind of lacked an api to do so and mm -hmm. it's that's one of like my sad disappointments around that orchestrator was yeah it was simple but once we understood the nature of infrastructure as code and then we understood how to deploy with sort of an infrastructure as code approach in GitOps, it it just seemed like Okay, well, that's now the reason I've got to have Kubernetes. It's almost like that was the shift for me, GitOps at least was, that I need to mature away from Swarm to Kubernetes because now I have this fantastic methodology for deploying that my developers understand, that they can they know how to edit the YAML and describe their application like you're talking about. Your application design is it's very short compared to all the manifests that you have to describe in your app in Kubernetes. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate that approach. And for those that haven't tried it yet, I strongly urge you to give GitOps tools like Argo CD a try because I think that I have never seen someone back out of it. Mm. Any team that deploys something like Argo CD, they're in it to win it. They're doing Argo the whole time. They're doubling down on it, adding it to more of their systems rather than saying, yeah, this GitOps thing doesn't work. I have never seen someone say mm. that. So I don't know if you ever if you ever have that story, but it's like 100% success rate on deployment at least. I relate to, you know, going back to legacy tooling. So like, you know, we're figuring out like our tooling to provision our infrastructure, right? And then, you know, you have CloudFormation and Terraform and then so while we're doing this, so I was like, okay, let me let's give Crossplane a try cuz then I can use Argo CD to deploy our infrastructure. And 
you know, I, I tried CloudFormation and the, the thing on top of it, like CDK, which is supposed to, you know, make CloudFormation, you know, more not suck co like code, <laughs> but you know, you're still running these playbooks that are, you know, taking like half an hour to run end to end, even if you just want to make this small little configuration change in the, like the last part of the, the formation template and right. it's, and yeah, cr crossplane was really refreshing because if you make that one small change, like only that one reconciler will make that thing, everything else kind of just is, is already reached its desired state. And so like Hong said, you know, Kubernetes, it's not just for running pods and your workloads. It's actually a control plane for other stuff. And I think we're going to see more and more of this in the future. Yeah. I think everyone's catching on. I think there's enough success happening and enough problem solving with these tools that before we had Argo and Flux and other tools like it, I don't know that I would ever walk into two shops that deployed the same way with the same tools. Everything was bespoke, unique configuration. They might be using Jenkins and they're SSHing into the server and doing a cube yeah, control yeah. ply and then a cube control rollout status and like doing all these things. And they had custom scripts. And like you're yeah. saying, like someone might have Terraform that does some things. Other shops just sort of cube control apply and pray <laughs> sort of approach. And I love that I can now, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to this way of walking into a team room, you know, that they're dev oriented shop, they're making their own software and that the predictable tooling and the predictable workflow is there. And we can all stop fussing about it and creating unique set, you know, we don't need another project in my opinion for how to deploy YAML on Kubernetes. I think at one point, someone at Docker counted a hundred different projects on all the different ways to deploy your application. And I think we're done with that generation of ideas. And I feel like we've got some winners here, which is why you're getting seed money and a round and all that stuff. Oh, if you don't mind, I want to expanding on that a yeah. CD side a little bit. So I, I did observe this trend is before Argo CD or before Kubernetes, when we talking about saves, always talking about CI CD together, like Jenkins, you're thinking about Jenkins is a CI CD solution, but what are you doing is in the CI step, you build a Docker image in the CD side, as you mentioned, you may SSH into a VM to do something, or maybe you are running some kubectl apply in the Jenkins, like a uh, scrape trying to deploy the thing. I think with Argo C is fundamentally changed. Basically it's kind of like pushing the Jenkins to be, Hey, just do the CI part. Forget about CD part. And the CD is more than just CD because original concept about CI CD. I think everyone gets the feeling is the CI CD is a job. Basically you deploy it and that deployment process is done. You, you consider your CI CD process is done, right? But with our Kubernetes, with our CD, is actually CD is actually more extended. We are talking about day zero, day one, day two. Maybe day zero, you got our CD to sync your application, but there will be the day one, day two, day three, because your infrastructure keep changing. It could be scaling up, scaling down. It could be reacting some of the events. So the whole application is changing a little bit due to the traffic. So those things are, we think is actually Argo CD and give you the visibility and also kind of like expanding the data CD view and landscapes there. So CD is not about you deploying once, forget about it. It's about you deploying and you continuously monitoring and understanding what you have deployed and what is the current status of it. I always wish that AWS did that back in the day. We would have that 
the the stealth ops, you know, something coming mm-hmm. into the web GUI and changing something after we deployed mm-hmm. Terraform or CloudFormation or whatever, mm-hmm. and we didn't know it. And I actually, mm-hmm. I like to tell this little tale of uh, one year at a, a video company that ends in Flix, I was on a project that managed one of their websites and we accidentally took it down because of that exact scenario. We were deploying with automation. Yeah. Someone, mm-hmm. maybe me, maybe not someone else, changed uh, a setting in the web GUI and then mm-hmm. when we redeployed the automation, it broke stuff because oh. we didn't realize there was drift. And then yeah. the website went down yeah. on a day where Netflix happened to be at the at number one on Reddit for the particular <laughs> announcement or whatever. And their blog went down. <clears throat> so anyway, don't do it, people. Stick to something yeah. like, and that's what the, I love these, the remediation of these tools and letting me know about Drift or just even being there aware that Drift happened is so valuable, yeah. I think, uh, especially as your yeah. teams grow and you have a, when you have deployments every hour and things are just happening constantly and there's constant change, it's really hard to tell what is being changed out of band, I guess. And it's, I appreciate that. That's sort of baked into these things where it's uh, mm. looking at both sides. And I think for people listening too, like if they're not into Get GitOps, it's not just infrastructure, it's code. And we've probably talked about GitOps once a quarter for the last two years because it's such, mm. to me, it's such a, it's worth getting the community and the ecosystem really to commit to this being the way we deploy to Kubernetes. Because if we can, we standardized on containers, yay, you know, problem solved. Mm. We standardized on API driven clusters. Yay. And now we're standardizing on the deployment methodology and how we, that workflow. And I feel like if we get, we, as an industry, if we really mature that, like we're, like you're doing, we can all go to solve yeah. the next problem, whatever that is. Cause there's always going to be another problem. So, yeah. So if you see the RLCD, like I want to share an additional view there is, uh, I know people are talking about the Kubernetes dashboard, but that project kind of like being there and no one actually actively using it anymore. So because that is providing the granularity, which I just mentioned before, is people don't really care about namespace. People not really just directly care about the cluster. They care about their application. So Argo CD basically are serving that role. If you guys didn't feel that directly, but Argo CD currently is actually the Kubernetes dashboard for you. Because that is one GUI you go to in the day-to-day or other day to look at your application. Indirectly, you are looking at the Kubernetes and how it well behaves. So that is something. Uh, and That's anyway, a good point. Yeah, yeah, because the dashboard, the Kubernetes dashboard itself, is really just looking at raw resources, and it's up mm-hmm. to you to understand their relationships. And in your case, you all are adding additional resources, right? Like the application mm-hmm. kind is is your API model. So you're adding to me. And if we go way back in time to like six, seven years ago, when mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the founders of the Kubernetes project, their intention was actually that this exact scenario would happen because they never intended for that original raw resource API to be the method, the exact method that developers deploy their applications. They always assumed there would be this other layer on top of Kubernetes that was mm. more application yeah. or project specific. Yeah. Or And that's exactly what you're doing. And it, I always felt like the raw resources, which is what I always tend to teach first in my courses, it, I always try to talk about that this is not the final thing that you will be using, but you do need to understand these principles, just like we all need to understand IP addresses, but we are normally using DNS names. We also mm-hmm. have these raw resources in our infrastructure, but that doesn't mean those are the ones you're controlling directly or looking at for status. And so that's a great point because I think when you write that, if you go with just the Argo CD web interface and you do it that way, it may not be obvious to some of those doing this. They don't maybe realize that in the background, at least my understanding is, that's adding resources that are your resources 
which are another resource abstraction, an abstraction layer on top. Is that sound correct? Yeah, Am I describing yeah. it correctly? Exactly. Under the covers, it's a new custom resource definition, CRD. And it started really simple. It basically tell us a source of your manifest and tell us the destination of the, where you want these to go. And the source was just like a folder inside of the Git repository. And we'll just like, you know, recurse that directory and, and discover all the YAML and then we'll apply it, keeps to apply it to the destination. But that is right. a, it is, it's, it's a full-fledged custom resources. And a lot of our users don't prefer to use the Argo CD UI to manage their applications, they actually, you know, they're all in on more uh, declarative, even for their Argo CD applications. And that's perfectly fine. Like, uh, that's actually like, we make a point to support that mode of use. And so now what people are doing is Git opting and checking in their application specs in their Git repos. And they create like just one parent app that kind of deploys all the child applications. Right. And there are alternatives to that, but there's uh, something called the application, application set controller, which automatically generates applications based on like that thing can walk through a Git repo and it's like, oh, I should create an app for this. I should create the app for that. Or it can, you know, look at all your clusters registered to Argo CD and say, okay, for every cluster that's attached to Argo CD, you know, create a Prometheus operator, you know, application for that. That's we're getting into kind of more the next level advanced kind of people who are starting, I've been past the guestbook stage and they right. need to create yeah. <laughs> right. uh, hundreds of these things. And it's great for, we used it to manage our, a lot of our add-ons to hundreds of clusters uh, into it. And th that's when you start to need some automation to create your and generate your applications. Right. Yeah, I think Brad, you mentioned one thing at the starting is uh, you, most of your friends, you either, you see the cluster is running Argo CD there or connected to Argo CD, managed by Argo CD. Basically, that's what Jesse mentioned is we see this trend is uh, Argo CD is the very first thing you connect or you install when you get a brand new managed cluster from the cloud providers, because you are not using Argo CD, just like deploying the guest book, like applications. You're also deploying the add-ons. You're using Argo CD to install cluster add-on. A yep. cluster altogether is still whatever you need uh, to a carpenter or cross-plane, whatever you need uh, actually to that cluster. So Argo CD becoming actually more crucial than just like, hey, day-to-day -day basis. It's, it has two groups of applications. One group is we call it the system applications. They need, you still need to mention their versions. Basically, you need to maintain them. You've got a new Kubernetes version. Maybe you need a new version of the cluster all together, or third manager, right? That is system application. Then you have this like daily possible change to application. Is you are doing development, you got a new document made, you want to release a new version out. So that basically Argo CD are doing both. Argo CD not just like for the on one side, it's actually doing both sides nowadays. I'm glad you said that because that's how I've been recommending it is it is becoming one of the very first things, if not the first thing I do when I'm using sealed secrets, which I'm kind of a fan of that it, it becomes a cart or the horse scenario a little bit with yeah. the two of them. So I'm never really sure mm -hmm. which one to do, but this is a great point. Okay. So I want to make sure we get some of these good questions in. Let's see if we can do some rapid fire real quick. What is the <laughs> difference between Argo CD and Argo CD HPA? Oh yeah, yeah. We, there's HA probably. Oh HA. Reference. Okay. Yeah, they're the same thing. Is basically there we up the replicas for the HA, and we, we mainly the biggest difference is we switch from single node Redis to three node Redis cluster, and that's important because when you upgrade Argo CD Redis, by the way, you can blow it away. It's it's not like a critical 
thing. It will rebuild the cache and everything. But then if you want some continuity and you, your app tree might like kind of disappear with the single node, it's because Redis um, lost its, we don't back it with a volume and, and it has to rebuild the cache. So Redis HA will let you upgrade Argo CD or survive a node reboot and your data is just still there. It doesn't have to rebuild the cache. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, for a lot of the teams I work with, when we start out, we don't do the HA because it, to me, it's a back-end service. It's it, like, especially the web interface, if it goes down for a minute or two, you know, it, it comes back up when another pod comes up. So that's interesting. I've never actually had to do an HA deployment yet. So that's a great question. Next question real quick. What is the max scale apps to Kubernetes cluster count, which is qualified with single Argo CD instance? So I guess like, are there scale numbers with Argo? Yeah, there's um, been some talk. That I think TikTok had one of the biggest installations I've seen. And, and I want to say they have like thousands two, of applications yeah. for, for a single Argo CD. Do you know the numbers? Yeah, it's about two, three thousand applications per single Argo CD. And it's about 100 Kubernetes cluster to be connected. Yeah. But yeah, so there's different scale characteristics. There's like application, like number of applications. And, and that's also the number of clusters is a, you know, different thing. How many repositories you might be attaching, you might need to scale out the repository servers. So application is the, I guess the easier one where you start to hit uh, more issues is when you actually start to manage many, many, many clusters. So, I mean, we did literally have one Argo CD that was just attached to 400 clusters out into it and it was installing, but we had to shard use the sharding feature in the controller to kind of have a handful of controllers to support that many hundreds of um, clusters. Right. By the way, I forgot, I'm going to make sure we mention ArgoCon September. So we've got some months. We'll be getting the word out, but you're going to do an in, in real life conference here in uh, Mountain View? Yeah, it's a well be a physical conference. We It's our second ArgoCon. Like we did the last one last uh, December. And this will be second one. We do want you guys uh, can be physically to be here. That'll be great. We can hang out together. There will be a great talks and just want to call it out. If you have some great ideas, you want to submit the idea, actually it's going to be due next week for the CFP. So definitely recommend you guys, if you're already using Argo, has a great use case, has a great insight, or even some critics, basically, if you have something you really hate, that's fine. Just come in to submit a talk. We are willing to hear and we are willing to social with you guys. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Got a real quick question. Basically. Is it a good practice to deploy all the Argo products together? Um, I can take that. I yeah. can take that. I would intend to say no. Don't do it for do it. Basically, you need to find your use case to see whether you need all of them together. Like they, the full product are actually all solving quite a different problem. We see a lot of teams are using two of them, three of them, but normally not four of them. Depends on what you need. If you are using the Argo workflow for the CI, then you need to thinking about what's the problem you're trying to solve. Normally Argo CD and Argo Rouse is pretty easy to start it. And uh, for the workflow and events, it depends on your use case. So I know the people are using workflow and events for the ETL, for the data processing. They, they basically use that to replace the airflow. Maybe that's the main reason they want to do it. So I would say is don't install it for the purpose, just install it to run it. And in any is it's driven by your use case. Yeah. All right. Next question. This is an interesting one. I know Argo CD is more focused on Kubernetes, but can Argo CD help me check my infrastructure as code created on Terraform? 
Yeah, it's a good good question. So there's actually quite a bit of Terraform like operator. Like, I counted at least four or five different Kubernetes operators that are dedicated for actually just provisioning Terraform. Like actually, HashiCorp has their own Terraform operator. So the answer to that question is Argo CD can just deploy any kind of Kubernetes YAML or, or custom resource and present that in the UI and also show this child manifest. So it can show you what the CR shows you and you can see the status of that. But at that point, it's, it's up to the underlying operator to provide enough information in the details of the status of those sub-resources. If you can, like, is my thing healthy? Right. Now, the cool thing that you can do next is that Argo CD has something called health checks. So out of the box, we understand the health of all the native Kubernetes kinds. So a deployment is healthy when it's desired replicas is equal to its available replicas is equal to the, and they're all updated. So, but for something for these other operators, if there is information in the status, you can actually write a small Lua uh, script, like a little snippet of code that evaluates the status of that resource and say, okay, if, you know, status equals equals healthy, then show a little green heart in, in Argo CD. Otherwise, if it's degrade, you know, whatever their underlying um, YAML shows, so you can write code to, to surface that information in the UI. That's actually really cool. I would have actually thought the answer was no, <laughs> but it's now that you pointed out, it's like, okay, yeah, if I'm using like kind of cross-plane, right? I'm using Kubernetes as my deployment engine, my differencing engine, for my yeah. infrastructure and I'm using a third-party operator, so now Kubernetes is smarter, Argo can also deploy that YAML because it's all just YAML. And that actually is an interesting use case that I've not tried. I'm, I'm gonna have to look more into that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and so Google has something called Google Cloud Connector, which is CRs for basically all of GCP's resources. Like you can provision a database using a Google Cloud Connector. And we've gotten contributions for various, not all, because there's like hundreds of these things, but a lot of the more popular ones, people have submitted the, the health assessments into our upstream. So there's like a resource customizations directory in the Argo CD project. And you'll see some people have already contributed the health checks for some of the more popular resources that are being used. But you can always define them in your own environment as well. You don't have to get it upstream to, uh, to do it. You can write it in your config map. Right. Can I deploy all Argo CD configurations declarative? Yes. So like I mentioned a, a little earlier, Argo, there's many people who want to get up to everything, including their application spec. We have app projects. Projects is a, a tenancy unit that was built as a tenancy unit. So like you basically can, an uh, operator can scope the level of namespaces that a team has access to, as well as the clusters that they should have access to. That's also a custom resource that you can manage declaratively. Even the Argo CD config map and the RBAC configuration are just config maps that you can do. So actually the first thing I recommend, um, after you install Argo CD into a cluster using kubectl apply, you should immediately turn around and get up the configure the thing you just applied into in a Git repo and then create an application such that Argo CD is actually managing itself. And from then on, you're actually making changes to Argo CD through through Git, Git practices. Okay, a similar question to before, is there something like Argo or similar that I can use on my pre-Kubernetes systems? Mm. And if I had to answer this question, I was gonna say, well, what we just talked about was, well, you, first you get a, you're gonna make a Kubernetes cluster, put Argo on it, and then presumably your old infrastructure would be more Terraform based, which means a Terraform operator. 
and then use Argo to deploy your Terraform, which would then control your infrastructure. That's a guess. Is there any other? I Right. Yeah. I think the short answer is that we can only manage Kubernetes stuff. So in order to manage all legacy infrastructure, there has to exist operator, whether that's cross-plane or some uh, Terraform operator to operate the, the other stuff. And if you have something that exists like that, then yes, then Argo CD can show and deploy that, that stuff. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a great question. No, I'm just thinking uh, for managing the system, I think uh, for the legacy system, it's hard to get in that similar experience as Kubernetes for sure. But if, if you are just talking about the deployment part, I, I know the spinning curve is always there. It doesn't provide in the same level, like I would say, because it's not declarative and other things, it's just right. not promoting the same level, but Spinnaker is still there. People can use for them. But we take the feedback from the, our field is uh, it's hard to justify whether it's a future-proof investment. Basically, you are still running a big Spinnaker instance to manage it. Right. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I was running, I was a SaltStack fan a while mm -hmm. back, you know. And, you know, when I think about automating and managing old non-Kubernetes infrastructure, you know, if a lot of us are kind of, I feel like the trend is, the answer is to now deploy Kubernetes and a new thing, and then use Kubernetes, whether it's cross-plane or Argo plus operators or whatever, to manage that legacy infrastructure. Maybe we're not near as mature there, and it is, mm -hmm. it starts to get pretty complex because now you're talking about all these different levels of things just to manage what you used to do with Chef or Puppet, but it it feels like that's maybe what we're all trying to get to is a world where the Kubernetes is the differencing engine. The Kubernetes is always running. So it's acting like a service or a server that's monitoring infrastructure for change. You know, back in the day, we would all have to run Spinnaker or these other things as services like SaltStack. We had to have that main SaltStack server. And you essentially, they were doing what Kubernetes is actually designed to do, which is monitor what's running, monitor what you've asked me to run, and then make sure that they're the same, essentially. So maybe you don't need the, the most advanced Kubernetes deployment to do that. It could probably be a pretty simple one, especially if no one is going to complain if one of your servers doesn't get updated automatically or whatever. Sometimes infrastructure stuff doesn't always get the best high availability because we're all focused on that for our applications in front of users. Anyway, it's an interesting question because as an infrastructure person, I'm always looking to help people automate remediate and their infrastructure. And we can't all just suddenly go Kubernetes today. So, yeah. you know, we've all got this existing infrastructure that we have to use, we have to maintain. And I know that that's always the suck of being a sysadmin is like, no matter how much cool stuff you're doing, you still got all that old stuff that you got to maintain. So I, I think it's a, a good practice maybe because we do see the people always thinking about the cloud native and things because I, I want to clarify if I want to say is Argo CD is Kubernetes native. It's not a cloud native because we, it's kind of like Kubernetes native to me sometimes is broader than cloud native. Why I saying that is even you have the on-prem VMs, you can still create a Kubernetes cluster locally. There are so many tutorials, so many tools out there to help you to create a cluster. Means uh, you can like still can use Argo CD to deploy it, to manage it. It's not like you have to have a cloud Kubernetes cluster to do it. So Argo CD is Kubernetes native. So basically you can taking the baby steps, maybe from the on-prem VM to create a cluster using Argo CD to deploy. And then later you got this flexibility, either you want to go to the EKS or DKE, it's up to you. Yeah. Ooh, some good questions here. How hard to upgrade Argo versions from old to new, considering no impact on the environment? Yeah, basically upgrades are just keeps it to apply of the new manifest. And then hopefully you're using Argo CD to manage itself and then and have it prune the old stuff. So 
it was always kind of intentional to to stick to a declarative installation and upgrade process. So meaning not rely on kind of like a job process that kind of migrates stuff, you know, from old to new. That migration code actually is typically baked into the code itself. So when the new version starts up, it'll know to uh, migrate the fields if there's an upgrade and should be all transparent to the end users. So short answer is there is no special upgrade procedure other than to apply the new manifest and possibly prune old resources that no longer exist. And, mm -hmm. and Argos, if using Argos CD to manage itself, it should be obvious what needs to be pruned. I want to caution people not, I, this is why you want to use Argos CD to manage itself because at one point we made a change to move from a um, deployment for the controller to a stateful set. Mm. And I, I ran into, you know, someone in KubeCon, it's like, hey, I am running into this, this problem um, where my application kind of flaps status. And we looked inside their namespace in Argo CD and I saw both the controllers running like the old <laughs> two, two different and, the yeah. set. and they were basically kind of like fighting and they were running with this actually with kind of no, no problem, but it's just kind of weird behavior. And if they were using RC to manage itself, they would realize that they, you know, this deployment has gone away and we've moved to a stateful set. So, oh yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And a similar question might be, uh, can I add new clusters to Argo CD declaratively? Yes, that's a good question. So normal procedure is what we've done. We run Argo CD cluster add, but all that is really doing is it's creating a, a secret to represent a cluster under the cover. So if you want to do this declaratively, you basically have to construct that secret. And there, we do document what that secret should look like. It's essentially a kind of like a cube config type we need like a bear token if you're using bear token auth, but if you're using something like IAM auth, like you just need to specify the the EKS like ARN or, or the cluster name. So it can be done declaratively. Yeah. It's almost like at least my learning journey for this product has been, you know, you start with the overview, you do the core concept and getting started guide and their, and their docs. They're great. Walks you through all the steps. And of course you have to have Kubernetes, but you're deploying it and you've done all this sort of by hand at this point, right? And then you learn it, you play around, you maybe upload some YAML, copy and paste some YAML into the interface, but then you want, and I recommend recommendation to everyone watching is, you wanna mature yourself to a declarative only, or as much declarative as you can get to, which doesn't only mean your applications are in YAML and a Git repo some, but Argo itself and all of its config, and that's what these guys yeah. are talking about, is that Argo itself is leaning on Git repos and the YAML there for its own configuration. And they have this wonderful little chart that talks about all the different things. You may not need them all. If you're not, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not, you don't need our back, you're not gonna need to fill those, all these out, but you can start here and sort of mature as you go. And I've personally have found it to, to be relatively easy to just grow into it. And when I find that we have to go in the GUI and change a thing in the GUI, or manage a certificate or whatever, that once I learn how to do it, then I go to the declarative side of it. I write the YAML, I put it in my Git, and then Argo is better. You know, all things are better because I've now got the exact configuration. And if I wipe this thing out or need a new cluster, I don't have to start from scratch and try to remember how exactly I configured it last time. So, yeah, yeah. 
that's yeah. like the same process I do. I think okay. it's, in, it's not just for Argo CD, but other things. Like I, I do everything. And then once you get, okay, this is perfect. I, I got it just the way I want it. Right. And then let's go get up to this. And then now you just need to do incremental changes, which are much more manageable in uh, uh, through a GitOps process and very controlled flow. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very natural uh, way of doing things. Is I I need a button so that once I do everything in the GUI and I'm like okay this is exactly what I've got it this has exactly how I want it make my Git repo and put all these settings into the repo. <laughs> yeah, it's been asked for like, like some kind of yeah. right back. Feature, yeah, right but... back. There's actually another company we had not related to CD necessarily, but they look for drift in all of your YAML and your Terraform and all these other languages. And when they find the drift, they provide a automated PR process in their web app to put it back into your code, which I loved it because that it's one thing to detect drift. It's another one to fix that drift. And most tools that look for drift don't actually go all the way back to saying, yeah, we're going to write a PR for you. And, and here's the code on a new branch. And that was actually a pretty fancy feature, which, you know, I kind of now ask that of every single tool on the show. This is kind of a repeated <laughs> question saying, Hey, if you have a web GUI, we're going to click buttons in it put that back into Git, you know, or whatever. So it's a bad habit. We humans have it. We just want to, yeah. we see that thing, we click it, it changes something and we didn't track it. So it is a common problem. Well, we were almost an hour and a half into this. So I'm going to call it and say, we need you back on the show. So maybe when <laughs> Argo CD in the cloud comes out, maybe like around, you know, after ArgoCon, when there's more to talk about, you've got more of these products as a service, I'll invite you guys back on. If you're willing to show back up for another hour of questions, and then we and we can go, sort of go through it all again, because I feel like there's still so much people can learn, rollouts, understanding how they relate to each other, especially mm -hmm. rollouts and CD and when you maybe need rollouts. I love, by the way, your answer to the question of, you know, wait to have a problem before you try to implement a solution, meaning don't deploy all four of these things at the yeah. same time, just because no. they're products, you may not need that. I find rollouts as a maturity thing. Your first day oh, yeah. in Kubernetes, right? Like you yeah. don't know you have that problem yet because you're probably still doing manual stuff. So yeah. rolling updates in Kubernetes is amazing if you've never had that kind of thing before. Exactly. But once you've done that for a year or two, maybe you want to graduate. Exactly. Into, yeah. yeah. Into something even fancy. within the rollout itself, there's even levels of maturity within rollouts itself. So like first you mature from, okay, rolling up a day is great, but I actually really need Canary. Then you get into rollouts and then rollouts is like, okay, I've got Canary, but I really want, you know, automated or boards and, and promotions based on metrics. And so that's yeah. like another level of maturity. And, you know, it took like literally years for Intuit to mature to that maturity itself, like getting developers on board and establishing measurable things in their application, right. whether it's business metrics or something. And yeah, it's like a big spectrum and progression. Yeah. And it's great that you all came from their relatively early days compared to the world mm -hmm. of all these tooling. So it's, it was actually pretty neat, I imagine, to be to get that stuff working on the ground and into it and saying, we're kind of badass. <laughs> like, I'm not bragging or anything, but we just did some stuff that like, we're gonna have to talk about at KubeCon now because no yeah, one else yeah, is doing yeah. that yet. You know, It's one of those things where it's always exciting to feel like you're on the leading edge of a new idea that everyone else is gonna wanna get a part of. So, well, congratulations again on the, another round of funding. I'm excited to see what new features and even new products or the extensions idea. That's a pretty cool thing as well. I'm going to give Harish the last question here, very specific one before we have to wrap it up, but can we trigger monitoring alerts? Good question. There is a, a project 
uh, called an Argo CD notifications. It's a, it's an ecosystem project. You can install it in the same namespace that Argo CD is running in. And basically you, the idea is that you can annotate either an application or a project with information that you want to notify. And uh, Argo CD notifications supports things like Slack and PagerDuty. And like, I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but that's the idea. Yes, you can notify other systems uh, based on your application health, for example, if it degrades, and even like your own customized information about the application. All right, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're not all sitting there all day with the Argo CD console in front of us or website yeah. in front of us. So we do need to plug these kind of things into our systems as, as sure. Like Slack is like the thing, right? We're all, I think at this point, are growing weary of Slack. It's like it's solved a major problem and now it is the problem. But <laughs> wherever you live, a Teams, a Discord, whatever, there's probably something out there, at least for some of these events. Everyone sign up for the ArgoCon. We mentioned that earlier. ArgoCon is in September. Will you do? Are you going to do a virtual as well? Or how's that going to work for people that can't make it to... It has both virtual and physical. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And then I guess obviously follow Acuity and is Argo doesn't have its own Twitter account, right? So it's the no, company it does. Oh, it does? Oh, okay. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't look it up. And thank you so much, Hong and Jesse. You've both been great. I've learned so much today. I I'm selfish. I just wanted you on this show so I could learn some more Argo stuff. So, <laughs> so I could go use it. We'll be back next week and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.